Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. there. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you're doing well. Today is the third and final installment of my three-part series regarding PCOS basics. We're covering a very important topic today, and that is supplementation. I wanted to talk about supplements because I oftentimes see women come into my practice and they report taking a bunch of different extracts and pills and supplements of things that they've heard are healthy and they rarely know why they're taking it. They rarely know exactly what pill or what type of supplement they are taking. And we get too comfortable thinking that a certain pill, say a fiber pill, is the same as eating fiber or taking a garlic capsule is going to be the same as cooking with it. And that's a little bit of a slippery slope. So I'm not a huge advocate of that approach of taking a bunch of pills and supplements without a clear strategy behind it. For the most part, a good diet should be all you need to get nutrition from your food directly because that's going to be the exact correct mix of vitamins and minerals and other food components that your body needs in order to be healthy. So in order for our body to function properly, we do need to let it extract the nutrients that it needs from food in a natural way. So there's something to be said for the benefit in consuming the whole food as opposed to isolating specific components of it. Meaning there's benefit for the body in the process of digesting a real food versus just breaking down a pill that may have the same food components. I hope that makes sense. And even though you can get much larger amounts of say garlic or fiber through a supplement since it's it's condensed into a pill or a liquid or a powder form, it doesn't mean that it will work better. Certain supplements may not get absorbed in the right way or your body may not be able to use the garlic, for example, in its synthetic form compared to what it would be or to the same degree that it would be if it were naturally occurring in your food. Not to mention that you can cancel out some of the effects of one supplement supplement with another if you're not careful. Or worse, you can even cause depletion of certain vitamins by using different supplements and different mega doses of things like minerals and other components. So using supplements is certainly not something that you want to take lightly, but rather you want to be strategic about it and you want to make sure that you know exactly what you're taking, why you're taking it, and how it's helping you. What kind of results are you seeing from taking a specific supplement for your PCOS symptoms? This is really very important. So make sure that someone's guiding you or you're getting some help in determining which PCOS supplements are going to be beneficial for you and which things are just a waste of time and money and you'd rather do it with the food or get that benefit in other ways. You can definitely do that in many different ways. So let's start talking about some situations when supplements are beneficial and which specific ones work best for PCOS. When I see new clients and they start working with me, I often get started with evaluating their current diet and really determining the need to replenish their vitamins and mineral stores with a good quality multivitamin. 
this can help to fill some of the gaps that may have been created over the years if their current eating isn't well-rounded, isn't well-balanced. So for maybe about three or four months until we dial in the new eating plan, we may use a multivitamin to cover our bases. I don't think that it's necessary for every single person. And certainly once you work with a dietitian or a good functional medicine doctor, you're likely not going to need to continue to take the multi because you'll get all the nutrition you need from your food. But in the beginning, it is important to replenish, to fill the gaps, to make sure that we're evening the playing field before we get started with a good eating plan. On top of a multi, there are many different supplements that can help optimize the health of women with PCOS, reduce those symptoms, and really augment what they're doing with their eating plan. So I do recommend that some clients use supplements to kind of boost their results, but only if we've already established that good meal plan and good habits around their lifestyle. These supplements can never, ever correct any holes in the diet if the quality of the food isn't high. So this is not a silver bullet or some magic solution to suppress PCOS symptoms or kind of cover up any of the issues with the diet. That's never going to work. We have to be more holistic about it and really look at the bigger picture. Diet is first. That's going to be at the bottom of our pyramid. Supplements are at the very top. It's the tip of the pyramid. It's something that really just helps optimize. It's not something to rely on. This is a little bit like thinking about the difference between using toothpaste and mouthwash. So you have to brush your teeth with toothpaste to keep them clean and healthy, right? Mouthwash is that cherry on top that makes your teeth even cleaner and gives you a little extra benefit like the minty fresh breath that we get with mouthwash, but you couldn't replace brushing with just using mouthwash. It's simply not enough. Supplements are a little bit like that. They're a little bit like mouthwash. It's the, that extra step that really enhances your results, but it cannot be used on its own. So while every woman is unique, and there's truly not a cookie cutter supplement regimen that I can prescribe and tell you about here, that would be highly irresponsible and, and ineffective. I do want to mention, though, some of the supplements that have been well-researched and we can really use in order to help minimize some PCOS symptoms. Now, everything I'll share with you today is not meant to replace any medical advice or suggest that you start taking any of these supplements right away. I'm simply sharing what works well for the majority of women that I work with and have been relatively safe for the general population and, of course, highly researched. So I only recommend things that are evidence-based, that I've seen studies in support of the results that we're looking for, and that I know that it has been demonstrated to work. Please, please consult your dietitian or doctor prior to starting on any supplement to ensure that it's right for you. And definitely consult someone, a professional, a healthcare practitioner, before starting on any supplement if you're pregnant, if you're actively looking to conceive, or if you already have a baby and you're nursing. Sounds good? Okay. Let's start by talking about one of the best, most well-researched supplements in the PCOS world, and that is inositols. Inositols are a group of naturally occurring vitamins from the B vitamin family, and there are two main types that we're interested in for PCOS specifically. There's myo-inositol and D-chiro-inositol. 
Each has a slightly different chemical structure, and we're not gonna get into all of that here, but what I want you to know is that inositols really help the body facilitate the action of insulin. And studies show that women with PCOS have an imbalance in inositols, where instead of holding on to inositols and using them for the function that they're meant for, the body excretes them at a much higher rate than in women who do not have PCOS. And that may be why insulin resistance is so very common with PCOS, and we've talked about this several times on the podcast. In addition to insulin sensitivity, inositols can help with reproductive health. So there are studies that show significant improvement in ovulation as well as restoration of menstrual cycle in women with PCOS. And there are also studies that show inositols as beneficial for mood, improving anxiety symptoms, and that's likely due to activating serotonin, which is a feel-good hormone in our brain. So as you can see, inositols can really help with a variety of different PCOS-related symptoms, and that's why it's a supplement that's very commonly used, but you want to make sure that you're getting the right type of inositol supplement, and that's what I want to talk about next. I've mentioned the two types of inositols that we're most interested in, and that's myo and dechiro inositols. You want to make sure that the supplement that you're taking has the right balance of both of those, and that's usually a ratio of 40 to 1, 40 myo to 1 dechiro, okay? I'm going to put all of this in the show notes, so don't get confused. The 40 to 1 ratio is what the body would normally have without PCOS of those two different components. So that's the kind of balance that we want to achieve with a supplement. Usually the supplements come in a powder form and they can be mixed with water. They're best taken with meal because they can cause a little bit of GI distress. So Ovacetol is one great example of a high quality brand of inositols, that is what I usually recommend, and I'm going to link to that below. So inositols are definitely top of my list as far as supplements because they just cast this broad benefit on women with PCOS in different areas, both with fertility and reproductive health, with mood and anxiety, as well as with the all-important insulin sensitivity, which we've discussed here a lot on the podcast. Let's continue to talk about supplements that can help with reducing insulin resistance because those are highly effective for women with PCOS and they can really then have this beneficial cascade effect on things like weight loss, reducing cravings, reducing inflammation. So again, since insulin resistance is at the core of PCOS, a lot of the work that we do with diet and supplementation revolves around sensitizing the body to insulin. The two supplements that I want to talk about regarding insulin sensitivity are berberine and magnesium. These are two supplements that really help sensitize the body to insulin, improve blood sugar levels, and and they can perform other functions that are very important for the overall health of women with PCOS. So let's discuss both of them. I just want to mention, though, that Both of these supplements have similar properties to metformin, which is a very widely prescribed medication for women with PCOS who are insulin resistant. And let's also mention that not everyone with PCOS has insulin resistance, but most women do. Metformin improves the body's response to insulin, and so do these two supplements that I'm about to discuss. 
They each do so in different ways and to varying degrees, but if you are taking metformin, please be extra cautious before starting on any supplement as you could lower your blood sugar too much, which is known as hypoglycemia, and it can be very unpleasant and even dangerous. And as a side note regarding metformin, if you are taking metformin, make sure that you have your vitamin B12 levels checked because metformin tends to deplete vitamin B12 stores, and you'll want to take a supplement if that's the case for you. Just make sure you're picking a good quality B12 supplement. All right, so let's start by talking about berberine, which is a, an herb that's been used in, in Chinese medicine for thousands of years, specifically to treat diabetes and infertility. The action of berberine is very similar to metformin, as I said, and many studies actually show that berberine is more effective in lowering blood sugar and improving insulin sensitivity, and it also has less side effects than metformin. If you've ever taken metformin, you may know and you may have experienced digestive distress, things like diarrhea, nausea, cramping from using metformin, which is why it's usually recommended to take with meals. But berberine was seen to have a very beneficial effect, it's very similar to, to metformin, and with less side effects, which is a win-win. There are additional studies showing that in addition to the insulin sensitivity, women who took berberine for 12 weeks before starting IVF treatments had higher pregnancy rates, which is likely due to the action of berberine in reducing testosterone and normalizing those insulin levels. So it all goes back to hormones and insulin. The second supplement that I mentioned is magnesium. That's a very important mineral that studies show women with PCOS are almost 20 times more likely to be deficient in. Magnesium has a lot of important functions in the body, ranging from things like energy production to muscle contractions and brain activity. For PCOS specifically, magnesium was shown to help with improving anxiety and mood, ensuring that blood sugar goes from our blood to the cells where it's supposed to be, right, in sufficient amounts, making sure that a lot of that blood sugar goes back into the cells and doesn't stay around in our bloodstream. It can help reduce migraines, which I've used um, magnesium for in the past very, very effectively. And it can also alleviate PMS symptoms. Some women with PCOS who do not get a regular period do get PMS symptoms. So they'll get things like a lot of bloating and digestive problems, sleeplessness, as well as mood swings and higher rates of emotional distress exactly in that time of month, even though they do not get an actual period. So magnesium can be helpful here and can help alleviate those symptoms as well as lowering blood pressure. One word of caution here, since magnesium is a muscle relaxant, it can sometimes relax the muscles that contract in the gut a little too much and cause loose stools and diarrhea. There's no need to be super concerned about this. It's fairly a normal process, but you may want to just adjust the dose or the frequency of your magnesium supplement if this happens. So these are the main points I wanted you to know about magnesium. If you're not sure if you need a magnesium supplement, you can easily have your magnesium levels checked and tested by your primary care doctor in a normal blood work and you will get a very good understanding of whether or not a supplement is right for you by looking at those results. 
Moving on to talking about another highly, highly important vitamin, which is vitamin D. Vitamin D is both a vitamin and a hormone. And while it can be found in certain foods like eggs, vitamin D-enriched cereals, as well as milk and some fish, it's in very limited amounts. So we usually don't get enough of it from the food supply, from the regular diet, even if the diet is really healthy. So we usually do require a supplement. One of the main sources of vitamin D that's not in a supplement or in a food form is the sun, of course. So skin exposure to the sun does provide as much as 80 to 90% of the body's vitamin D. People who live in the Northeast, like myself, I'm in New Jersey, or people who have dark skin who are or are overweight are at much higher risk for vitamin D deficiency. So we need to be extra careful and make sure that we have our levels tested in order to see what level of supplementation we may need. About 75% of women with PCOS are vitamin D deficient. That's a really high percentage. So almost every woman I work with does need to supplement with vitamin D. We usually have the levels tested and then we start her off on a vitamin D supplement at the right amount. So why is vitamin D so important? What kind of things does it do for us? Well, a variety of different things from bone health to reducing inflammation, again, improving mood, as well as enhancing reproductive health. So vitamin D was shown to promote the development of eggs and their maturation. So it does play a huge role in reproductive health and fertility. Deficiency in vitamin D, as I said, is pretty common. We do want to have levels tested and not just assume that someone is deficient. So some women will only need about 1,000 units per day, while others may need to get their levels up to speed with a mega dose of 50,000 units a week for a few months and then move to a maintenance dose to keep levels steady. If you're someone who gets about 10 to 15 minutes of sun exposure per day, especially on your arms and your face throughout the year, you may have sufficient stores of vitamin D, and in that case, you're okay and you don't need a supplement. There are some people, those with kidney disease, for example, if you have a parathyroid condition, vitamin D supplementation is likely not safe for you. So again, of course, always consult someone before getting started. Many conventional doctors don't routinely test for vitamin D levels. You sometimes have to ask them to add that to your panel if you're getting a physical done. So make sure that you do that because it is super important. I've seen such amazing results with simple supplementation of vitamin D. It's super easy to find a supplement. They're not expensive. And all you have to do is remember to take them once a day or even once a week if you're taking higher doses. And you can see significant improvement in things like mood, fertility, as well as cholesterol and reducing cardiovascular risk. So it's definitely well worth it. Let's move on to talking about gut health and specifically about probiotics. So many of the issues women with PCOS struggle with start with low-grade inflammation that we've already discussed in previous episodes. One of the main ways to lower inflammation is making sure that your gut is functioning properly and more than that, that it's actually actively helping you reduce PCOS symptoms such as cravings, anxiety, IBS-like symptoms like bloating, gas, distension, stomach pains, as well as acne. 
And there's a good amount of emerging research and studies that show that we can do this in addition to the diet through keeping a healthy mix of gut bacteria, which are also known as probiotics. These are friendly bacteria that live in our digestive tract naturally, but if we have many, many years of not eating a good diet or not being on top of our health and getting all the right nutrition and mix of foods, over time, the gut bacteria makeup can change. So sometimes we have a more robust presence of the bad guys, if you will, versus the good bacteria. And that can really shift our health in many different directions. Usually when we have more of the pathogenic bacteria, the ones that are causing issues and problems, we're going to see an exacerbation of PCOS symptoms right along with that. Now, the friendly bacteria are no longer associated just with better pooping and regularity in our digestive tract. That's definitely there and definitely there's good research to support that. But we now know that they do so much more than that and that it's a really, really good place to target with probiotics, with the right intervention, because if we get the good guys to flourish and thrive, we can see major returns in our health just by doing that. So there's a variety of things that we can do to help them grow and to help them keep us healthy. And one of the things that I want to talk about is first establishing a good diverse colony of bacteria in your gut because they each do different things and we want a variety of them as opposed to just growing one specific strain and not having a good mixed, a good diverse colony there. Let me give you some examples to show you what I mean by this. If someone has loose stools or diarrhea or they just really struggle with frequent bowel movements, I would probably recommend something like Culturel because that's a brand name and the specific probiotics that are in there have been specifically studied for that type of problem. Similarly, we have good evidence to show that Align, which is another reputable brand, is specifically helpful for things like gas, bloating, and IBS symptoms, whereas another brand called VSL number no. 3, which by the way is one of the most well-researched probiotics out there, is specifically helpful for constipation and ulcerative colitis. So as you can see, all of these supplements will fall under the probiotic umbrella, but the different strains do function differently, and we want to tailor, we want to customize what we're prescribing and what we're using as much as possible to the benefit that we're looking to get, to what we know from research this supplement, this specific strain of probiotic is going to do for us. Now, while probiotics from reputable brands like the ones I just mentioned are generally very safe for the general population, if you didn't want to take a supplement or if you have a condition like SIBO, which is characterized by bacterial overgrowth in the gut, and if you've had it and you've been diagnosed with it, you would know exactly what it is, those people are generally not going to benefit from adding even more bacteria into their gut, so just be careful with that. But if you just didn't want to take a supplement, Supplement, you can also get many different types of probiotics from food, especially fermented things like sauerkraut, kimchi, Greek yogurt, tofu, and tempeh, as well as beverages like kombucha. So you can get a good mix, a good variety, and a good amount of probiotics just from including these foods regularly in your plan. The bottom line here is that I find probiotic supplementation very helpful for many women with PCOS, especially if their diet was not supporting a healthy gut before. 
And as I said earlier, even though the bulk of the studies that we have show the benefit of probiotics specifically for our digestion, there's a lot of new and emerging research that shows so much more than that. I did a recent live, a Facebook live, about how probiotics can help reduce cravings and especially reduce our desire for sugar. So there's a lot of good information. It's just not quite enough and it's not quite substantiated enough to come out with big, bold recommendations, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing there. I really truly believe that probiotics exert so many more benefits on our overall health than just digestion, and I do recommend that you start taking a probiotic. It's also important to know that studies do show that when you stop taking a probiotic, your gut doesn't hold on to those colonies. So you do wanna continue to take it pretty much for the rest of your life. So if you find a good probiotic, a pill, a pearl, whatever it may be called, some of them need to be refrigerated, some you can mix into water. So just buy a form that works for you, a supplement that you like from a reputable brand and start taking it on a daily basis and see what happens. Give it a good six months before you decide if it's working for you or not. Don't be quick to jump on something and then jump off. Give it time, support it with a healthy diet, And I did talk in my Facebook Live about prebiotics as well, which are certain food components that you can eat in order to make sure that you're not just replenishing the gut bacteria, you're actually supporting them with a good diet because those guys need to eat too. So you want to feed them probiotics, which is what they sustain themselves on. And I spoke there um, about what those types of foods are. So make sure you check it out. I'll link to it below, but I highly recommend that you find a good probiotic and get started on it and see how it works for you. Okay, we are at the home stretch of this episode, and I want to finish up by talking about an amazing, wonderful, and highly important supplement called omega-3 fatty acids. This is something that you've likely heard about before, but I wanted to mention it here because there's some confusion around the type of fat that you need to be taking, what dosaging is correct for women with PCOS, and what specifically are some of the benefits that we can see by taking an omega-3 supplement. Omega-3 fatty acids are considered essential, which means that the body cannot make them on its own. They have to come from the food or from a supplement, essentially from an external source because the body isn't able to produce them on its own. And there are two sources from the diet that provide omega-3 fatty acids. Some are plant and some are animal-based. So the best sources of omega-3s are animal-based fatty acids that are called EPA and DHA. These are both derived from fish, and the body is able to use these two fatty acids most efficiently. As I said before, we do have plant-based sources of fatty acids, omega-3 fatty acids from plants in things like flax and chia seeds as well as walnuts, but that's a different kind of omega-3 fatty acid called ALA. And what we see is that even though the body is able to convert ALA into EPA and DHA, it doesn't do it very efficiently. So the process is not perfect only a small percentage of ALA actually gets turned into EPA and DHA, and it's usually under 10%. So even though we do see omega-3s in plants and we can absorb them and process them properly, the percentage is very small, and we already don't have enough of those essential fatty acids in the diet. So if we're only relying on 
walnuts and and flax seeds and the plant-based sources, we're likely not getting the correct amount. I usually recommend a supplement that has at least 2,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA every single day. That's especially true for women who don't eat fish, specifically fatty fish like salmon and trout, or maybe even herring or sardines if you like those. You want to eat those fish on a regular basis. That would mean about 12 ounces per week. So you can do two six-ounce portions or you can do three, four ounce portions, however it works for you. But I know many of my clients either dislike fish or they like it, but their spouse doesn't like it or they don't like the smell of it in the house. So, or they're not sure what to do with it, how to cook it. So they only eat fish out and that's usually too infrequent to really exert any benefit. You're just not getting enough of the goodness. So a supplement will cover you fairly well Again, you want 2,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA. Because supplements are not regulated, again, you want to make sure that you're going with a good, reputable brand that you trust, and ideally one that has been third-party tested. That's really important. And usually companies that use third-party testing are very proud of it, as they should be, because that means they really do stand behind their product, and they'll list that on the label. So They'll either have a nice big seal on the front of the package, or it's going to say it's been third-party tested on the back. So look for that. That's a big sign that that company is reputable, stand behind, stands behind their brand, and proud of the content and quality of their supplement. Getting enough omega-3s is super important for reducing inflammation, and I've spoken before about improving the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. So go back to part one if you missed that. That's where I talked about how imbalanced the ratio is in a standard American diet. But once you increase the amount of omega-3s that you're taking in, you're going to correct that ratio, and that's going to help reduce inflammation. We also know that the best evidence around omega-3s is related to heart disease risk. Omega-3s are seen to reduce total cholesterol, improve triglycerides, and reduce the risk of heart disease. And that's extremely relevant to women with PCOS because the rates of heart disease and things like high cholesterol, triglycerides, and poor metabolic health are very high in women with PCOS. And the last thing I want to mention is that we also know that omega-3s help with fetal development, so it does help with reproductive health and making sure that the fetal is healthy and that the brain function is strong, as well as enhancing mood. So lots of great benefits from omega-3s, and especially as it relates to reducing that inflammation and kind of counteracting the negative, the harmful effect of the omega-6s that we all tend to have way too much of in the diet. So there you have it. We've covered A lot of ground today. We did a roundup of the top five supplements I often recommend for women with PCOS. Let's recap. We spoke about inositols, vitamin D, magnesium, probiotics, and omega-3 fatty acids. I really hope you found this information helpful. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. My email is right in the show notes below. And you can feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments or any suggestions for future episodes and topics that you'd like me to cover. And if you're enjoying listening to these episodes, please subscribe and leave a review below. It helps the show get found by more people. Until next time, be well. Bye for now.